Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Trevor Woods here with SB Nation's Maize and Brew with a very special edition of Getting to Know the Opponent. Why is it special, you may ask? Because this is a big game in East Lansing. Number six, Michigan, undefeated at 7-0, taking on the number eight, 7-0 Michigan State Spartans. I can't wait for it. College game day. ESPN's going to be there. Fox, their pregame crew with Brady Quinn and Reggie Bush and those guys, they're going to be there. The Barstool Sports guys are going to be there. I'm going to be there. And it's time to talk. Michigan, Michigan State, we've been doing it all week. But, hey, let's do it some more. Today I'm talking with Ryan O'Blenis, the managing editor of SB Nation's Michigan State website, The Only Colors. How are you today, Ryan? I'm great. I'm, uh, you know, just kind of getting tired of the waiting and just ready to get to the game. Right. I hear you. I hear you. I couldn't agree more with that. But, hey, we're almost there. The waiting's almost over. This is something that's been anticipated for weeks now at this point. It seemed like a collision course. As I stated previously, Ryan, uh, Michigan State, they're 7-0. Now, they've had, you know, a lot of impressive things on both sides of the ball this year, no doubt about it. Salute to Mel Tucker, getting these guys back on the right track after last year. But, I mean, there are a couple similarities I see as far as uh, common opponents between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, One that sticks out to me is Michigan State, they narrowly beat Nebraska 23-20. The same can be said for Michigan when they went to Nebraska. Barely came out of that one with a win. And then... uh, uh, Michigan State before their bye at Indiana. That was a 2015 game. I used quarterback Jack Tuttle. He really scuffled. A pick six was 
kind of a deciding factor in that one for Sparty. But my question for you, Ryan, is what has powered Michigan State's 7-0 start, and what did they struggle with against Nebraska and Indiana? Well, as you're probably aware, you know, Mel Tucker and his staff this offseason, they completely retooled the roster. They brought in the players that, you know, they want, that they see as a fit for their scheme, as their culture. And, you know, a lot of these transfers who came in, I think there were 15 scholarship players. A lot of them came in immediately, earned a starting role, and are making a difference on the team. Obviously, you look at running back uh, Kenneth Walker III, and he you know, is a big reason why MSU has had so much success on offense. And uh, Peyton Thorne, he won the starting job he, over a, a transfer, um, Anthony Russo from Temple. And he's done, you know, a really good job of just leading the team uh, and, you know, playing within himself, not turning the ball over too much, making good decisions for the most part. Um, and then, you know, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you've got a team that, uh, you know, they might let you move it inside the 20s, right, kind of a bend on break, but, you know, they're really tough in the red zone, uh, and, and they're stopping opponents from actually getting on the scoreboard. So, you know, when you look at it from an overall sense, a big the big reason for the 7-0 start is because, you know, of the way that the roster was retooled by Tucker and the staff, you know, the, uh, the players buying into that, buying into what the coaches were selling and the culture and the scheme and just kind of believing in themselves – um, and, you know, the schedule hasn't been crazy hard, much like Michigan so far to start through seven games. They've been able to, you know, they've played some tough, feisty opponents in there. But this week, you know, Michigan's going to be the real test to see where this team really stands. Yeah. Um, now, not to penalize Michigan State for any win, no matter what, a win's a win. Football isn't always pretty. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Football can be ugly. But, uh just your insight into the 2015 win over IU and the 23-20 win over Nebraska. What made those games tight and close? So, you know, both those teams did what uh, no, nobody else was able to do, and that was bottle up Walker. Their defensive lines, um, you know, really clogged up the middle. They wouldn't let them bounce stuff outside. Uh, and, you know, they kind of dominate, dominated Michigan State's offensive line. Um, you know, they, they've made jokes that they call Walker the eraser because he's able to erase a lot of the mistakes that the offensive line might miss or, you know, miss blocks and things like that. But in those cases, he wasn't able to do that. You know, they got no real push or penetration. It was it was great game planning, um, you know, by both Indiana and Nebraska's defensive coordinators. That's, uh, you know, something you got to give them credit for. They uh, And they forced, uh, you know, Peyton Thorne and the passing game to kind of beat them there and then also they they forced the Michigan State defense to really step up and you know earn those wins when when the offense wasn't getting these 60 yard plays that they've been so accustomed to this year so you know sometimes you're going to have games like that uh Tucker actually said you know he he likes having those games like that because it kind of teaches the team how to win in the tough moments and that Nebraska game in particular you know, the, the Michigan State offense was awful, especially in the second half. Um, you know, they couldn't move the ball. The only reason the game even got to overtime was because of a punt return from Jaden Reed, punt return touchdown. Um, and, you know, they in overtime, they got uh, uh, almost a pick six by cornerback Chester Kimbrough. He uh, intercepted Adrian Martinez. 
and took it back. And then eventually the offense finally moved the ball and kicked the game-winning field goal. But, um, you know, in the second half of the game, like MSU just simply couldn't move the ball. They had, uh, I don't remember what the exact stat was, but it was a very low amount of yardage uh, in, in the second half. And I believe that they didn't pick up a first down or a third down conversion. Um, so really what, what that was, was MSU finding a way to win despite all of that going against them. So, you know, that's kind of the positive for it, but, when you look at the, the Nebraska game and the Indiana game in particular, you can see that Michigan State's offense, when when it's inefficient, you know, this team is going to, to struggle. So you have to find these ways to, to get it done in other ways, and they luckily were able to do that against opponents like Indiana and Nebraska. Nebraska is a team that kind of shoots itself in the foot um, with a lot of penalties and mistakes, and I don't know that you can get – get by with that you know with with the remaining schedule starting with Michigan here yeah and like you said both teams Michigan represents Michigan State's best opponent by far to this point and Michigan represents I mean Michigan State represents uh, Michigan's biggest opponent to this point so definitely similarities there you're talking a moment ago about uh the production, how it can be capped, basically, if Michigan State's offense struggles. But looking at the numbers, Michigan State, their total offense, they rank 26th. They're 32nd in rushing offense, 50th in passing offense, but 16th in team passing efficiency, 29th in scoring offense. I mean, those are some pretty good numbers. And then you dive into the individual statistics. Obviously, Kenneth Walker has been completely powering Michigan State's running game. 997 yards on the season. He had a long of 94, nine touchdowns. Peyton Thorne, he's been pretty darn impressive himself. 15 touchdowns, just four interceptions. And then you have some pretty good production out of the receiving group with Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, and Trey Mosley leading the charge. Just, can you give us a scouting report on the offense as a whole and uh, your overall confidence in the offense? Yeah, so, you know, with Michigan State's offense, you're going to see kind of a lot of 11 personnel with the three wide receiver set, but it's a little bit different um, because they use Connor Hayward in kind of a, an H-back role, not necessarily a traditional tight end. He's actually a converted running back. You might remember him from the past because he's been at MSU forever now, but... Um, and, you know, they like to have their three receivers out with Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, Trey Mosley, you know, Kenneth Walker usually in there as a, as a single back and Peyton Thorne at, at uh, quarterback. And then you have pretty much a two-man group at offensive line. Uh, the Spartans go pretty much like nine players deep where they'll rotate almost like entire second units into the line throughout the game. And there's not much drop-off in between the two units, which is, you know, both good and bad. You're keeping guys fresh, and, uh, you know, MSU's kind of struggled with injuries there for the past few years, so it's good to have that. But at the same time, you kind of want to see, you know, a five-man group step up and get the, the bulk of the the reps there. But, it's you know, it's worked fine so far. Um, you know, you, the offense is going to want to th- flow through Walker and when. You know, when he's doing things like he did against Northwestern or against Rutgers, 
you know, it's it's really easy to to do that. You know, Michigan State, uh, they're not going to be afraid to take some deep shots either. We saw that, uh, you know, a lot this year with Thorne going deep to Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor. I think Reed actually leads the Big Ten in yards per reception, something like 20.8. So, you know, they want to get it in their playmakers' hands, and a lot of the times good, thing ha- good things happen when they do. Um, and, you know, they're – the one thing that you want to see more consistency out of is, is the offensive line play when you do get those tough defensive fronts like Indiana or Nebraska. It's important that, you know, MSU is able to, to generate a little more push because Walker can't do it all himself, even though he does, you know, plenty of things uh, by himself. You know, he, he needs the help from the teammates. And, uh, you know, overall, like I mentioned earlier, Thorne is pretty good at, at uh, managing the game that, taking too many risks, you know, not turning it over often. Michigan State's pretty good at winning the turnover margin. And, you know, overall, uh, they've been, you know, they've been really fun to watch so far. But there's still a lot to improve on. A lot to improve on. And going to combine a couple questions here. And it's, let's talk Michigan State defense. A defense that they've done pretty well in some respects. But then, uh, on paper, in some other respects, not. So I just want to know what your eyes see. For example, they rank 89th in total defense, rank 31st in rushing defense, passing yards allowed, they rank 121st, yet team passing efficiency defense, they rank 27th. Scoring defense, they're tied for 19th. So... A little all over the place defensively. Uh, third down percentage defense, 62nd. Fourth down percentage defense, 114th. So, could you give us the strengths and weaknesses of the unit? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the defensive line has been really strong, getting you know pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks, and uh, you know they they rotate a lot of guys in there. Uh, they got guys who. Uh, they've been banged up, too, at the defensive end position, but they've had a lot of young guys like Jeff Petrowski who have stepped up, um, while guys like Beasley, Drew Beasley, have been out. And in the middle, you got Jacob Slade in the interior there, who's played really well, Simeon Barrow. Um, you know, Jacob Panashuk has been, had a really, really strong season. Uh, and, you know, uh, pretty much they've been able to to get after the quarterback and cause some havoc there. They've been a little undisciplined with, with penalties. Um, then at linebacker, you got Cale Halliday, who's a redshirt freshman and was kind of a, a surprise starter this year. Uh, but he's played really well, uh, along with Clavaro's Crouch, who was a Tennessee transfer. Michigan State runs a, a 4-2-5 scheme, so there's usually only two linebackers uh, on the field at a time with five defensive backs. You know, the secondary, I guess if you want to talk about weaknesses, it has kind of been that, but that's also kind of by design. As I've mentioned, they play a bend-don't-break style where they're letting you move the ball up and down the field, but when it comes down to it, they're not letting you in the end zone. You know, they uh, they have a really strong red zone uh, defense in terms of touchdowns allowed, and they're going to stop you and force you to kick field goals. Obviously, it'd be better if – you know, you can force punts and get off the field a little bit earlier. But, you know, the, the secondary play has been improving. And you saw it against Indiana. The defense really stepped up, allowing uh, 
only one touchdown that whole game to Indiana, getting the pick six too, that you mentioned with Tuttle, that uh, that was Kale Halliday. So, you know, overall, it's it's been, I think that the stats show kind of a different story because of the bend don't break philosophy. You know, it looks like Michigan State gives up a lot of yardage, which they do because of a lot, you know, basically because of how the team is working right now. But when it comes down to it, they're simply not allowing a lot of points on the board. No, they're not. Now, moving to something off the field that I believe doesn't have any bearing or any impact on the game, but it's something that if you type in Mel Tucker's name on Google all week, it's national media linking him to potentially the LSU job in the future, which Ed Orgeron won't have after this season. Uh, now, Tucker, in my opinion, also, when he was asked about it this week, he could have simply said, hey, I'm not going. I'm staying at Michigan State. But uh, he didn't do that. He did say that, you know, we all got a job to do. Uh, he said just how big this game is and the stage surrounding it to uh, don't have to make it bigger than it is. It's already bigger, big already. Uh, let the game be the game. Uh, so I, I actually believe Tucker there. Let the game be the game. And I also think he's incredibly focused. I watched his whole press conference on Monday, which was about a half hour. I think this is probably the biggest game of Tucker's coaching career, at least head coaching career. Uh, and obviously one of the biggest Michigan State football games in a while, and certainly one of the biggest in a while against Michigan. So I just want to see if you agree with me. Do you think that Tucker could have maybe answered the question better, but also do you agree with me that this really has little to no impact on the game and uh, Michigan State's going to be ready to go and uh, for better or worse on Saturday? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, you, you know that – I'm sure that he was preparing for that question and he had, you know, that exact response ready. He said, you know, he, he said everything that was true. He didn't lie about anything. He didn't, he simply just didn't want to talk about it because he's focused on the Michigan, Michigan state game this week. He doesn't want it to be a distraction with his team, whether it is or, or it isn't, he's not focused on that right now. And then, you know, also he's, he's, it, it was a smart comment, to be honest, because, you know, right now he's not going to sit there and either confirm or deny anything because, you know, maybe he does later want to take an interview and just kind of test the waters. But, you know, me personally, I don't see him leaving anywhere. You know, he could even – another reason why he answered it that way is, you know, he wants to keep leverage in the situation if it does come down to having some sort of negotiation with Michigan State down the road. But – yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement with you that his focus and the team's focus is totally on, on Michigan right now. It's not, you know, about LSU. I don't I don't see him leaving after this year and it's just, you know, obviously when you have a coach who had a two and five program last year and then, you know, did what he did in the offseason with bringing all this talent into East Lansing and then did what he did what he's done so far in the twenty twenty one season, you know, going seven and oh. Of course, these big-time programs who are looking for a new coach are, are going to be interested in a guy like that because they want, a, you know, a culture changer, which LSU really needs, and a program builder. So, you know, it, it shouldn't be surprising to anybody that Tucker's names are coming up in these conversations, but it doesn't mean anything necessarily that he is even interested in the job or how much interest they actually have in him. 
you know, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and his his focus is on Michigan right now. Yeah, and uh, I'll I'll agree that, uh, and I think you'll agree with me here that James Franklin who is definitely in a similar type situation. He has been failing the test miserably when he's been in front of a microphone at the podium getting asked questions linking him to you know USC or LSU. For example, uh, on Monday, he said that he was focused on Illinois, who they just lost to. They don't play Illinois this upcoming week. They play right. Ohio State. And then he called uh, the Horseshoe Ohio Stadium. He called it the Big House, which uh, – is uh, Michigan Stadium where the Wolverines play. So uh, uh, credit to Mel Tucker for not going the James Franklin route because that's 101 on how not to do things. So had to add a little levity in there following that question. But moving on, we've kind of talked about in a few different forms already, but could you just summarize uh, where do you think Michigan State may have an edge against Michigan and where do you think Michigan may have an edge against the Spartans? Yeah, so I think where you know where you look that the Spartans might have an advantage is um, in the passing game. Uh, actually, on both sides of the ball, I think that you know I, I expect Kate McNamara to be in there. We'll see how much McCarthy plays, but you know Michigan has not shown an ability to hit on the deep ball. You know, I know a lot of that is, is also play calling, and they they haven't really needed to pass. You know, they, they have a great rushing game, and they've leaned on that, but. You know, watching him against Northwestern, watching him against Rutgers earlier this year, when he did attempt those deep balls, um, you know, they, they were usually off target or or short-armed. And I saw, you know, his passing chart today of deep throws, and it was not pretty. So, um, you know, I think when we talk about how the Michigan State defense plays bend, don't break, and, you know, they give up a lot of passing yards, I think, you know, this week could be a week where you see Michigan State's defense actually – uh, you know, not give up as many yards just because that's not, A, what Michigan does, and it's not one of McNamara's strengths is throwing that deep ball. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, much like we saw last year with Michigan State's game plan, I think you might see the Spartans try to hit a couple of deep shots with Thorne to, to Reed or Naylor, and if those two, you know, are, are covered, then look out for Trey Mosley over the middle. But where I think Michigan has the advantage is um, in the trenches. They're you know, that running game is top five in the nation. And Michigan State is really good at, at stopping the run. But I definitely, you know, I expect both teams to win some of those battles. But I think Michigan is definitely going to get yards on the ground. I think they, um, you know, I, I think that they're a pretty dominant football team uh, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I also think that, you know, that they might have the advantage on their defensive line versus Michigan State's offensive line, too. So that, you know, they might be similar to, Nebraska and Indiana being able to bottle up Walker. I think, you know, I think Michigan's front is better than either Indiana or Nebraska. So I think, you know, where this game is going to be won is in the trenches. And, you know, whatever team might get lucky on a couple of deep balls, that's pretty much how I see this one, you know, coming down to. Okay. Well, what do you think the score prediction is going to be? I can really see this going either way. I think it's going to be stressful on both both fan bases throughout the whole game. Pretty tight, pretty close. You know, both teams are going to be looking to, to you know get body blows and body blows before finally knocking the other one out. But I've, you know the way that I've seen Michigan State handle adversity in those those tight games against Nebraska and against uh, Indiana. You know, I think I mentioned earlier. Uh, I looked it up, and yeah, Michigan State had 
14 offensive yards in the second half against Nebraska. So if they can win a game like that, you know, they've found ways to win these really tight ones by doing whatever it takes. And I think, you know, I expect them to have more than 14 yards in the second half, but if, you know, if it comes down to it and it's tight again, I think the Spartans are going to find a way to pull it out. And I'm going to say 23, 20 Michigan state. Okay. Well, we're going to find out. And like you said, the talk is almost over and our talk is now over. And Ryan, thanks so much. Can you tell the folks listening where they can find you on Twitter and on the web? Yes, definitely. So my uh, Twitter handle is just at Ryan Oblenes. That's R-Y-A-N-O-B-L-E-N-E-S-S. So then, you know, you can find my work at theonlycolors.com and follow The Only Colors at The Only Colors. Yeah, I, I can't wait to be looking at reactionary pieces from you guys, whether it's a loss or a win. Uh, there's going to be a lot to digest after noon on Saturday. So thanks to Ryan, and once again, this is Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Maze and Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at Woods Football. We'll talk to you guys post-game in East Lansing for a post-game reaction podcast.